0: All right, everybody. Welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Innovation Crush. I thought you were going to forget. You were leaning back. And I know. I, was, of, I tried to trick you. Yeah. You can't trick me. It's, it's virtually oh, impossible. Did you give me a water? Uh, Technically, that's mine, but oh. you can have it. You're greedy. You have like three. No, this is empty one left over from... That's not empty. It's even warm. It's like It's got the war- the heat bubbles in it. It's disgusting. Okay. Um, so thank you for that uh, banter. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Chris Denson. And in case you guys don't know, that guy's name is Robert Donez Jr. That's this guy. And this is Innovation Crush, where we kind of look at really cool trends and people in the marketplace that are doing the awesome things that we all love. Um, and in front of me today is Chantel Tibbles. Hello. How Woo-hoo. are you doing? Do we say the Anne or is it or is the Anne silent?
1: The Anne is silent. Oops.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's on everything.
1: It is it is on everything. You know, when I was an undergrad I had this professor named Patricia Juliana Smith and I was like Damn, someday I'm going to be Chantel Antibbles. Well, I mean, I've always been Chantel Antibbles, but I was going to write my full name. You're out. like,
0: I'm, I'm going to be the whole, I'm going to be every syllable that was given all to me. All
1: 21, 21 <laughs> all 21 letters of it.
0: Let's see, I, wait, I'm John Christopher Denson. I don't know how many. That's many a lot letters. of letters, too. Yeah. So, so, this interview's over. No.
1: <laughs> Done.
0: So, we were up all night um, researching on uh, this, this topic. So, um.
1: you know, many people are up <laughs> researching this topic.
0: Very, very extensive, extensive research. Um, t- <laughs> t- tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do because I'm going to botch the introduction. So, I'm going to like you tell me a little bit of your story. Uh, sociologist by nature. Um. I'm
1: a sociologist, both naughty and by nature. Just kidding. Uh, oh.
0: Hey! Um. Wow! Did you just make that up now?
1: I did actually right good. now was when I was coming, you. I was listening hey. to the old school hip hop station on my way down here. So, nice. You know, um, I am a sociologist, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles. I have a PhD. Um, I'm 36 years old, and I study the adult entertainment industry.
0: <laughs> when is, how long have you been 36? When's your birthday?
1: January. So I'm recently. January what? Nineteenth. I'm oh. the sixth. Wow. Happy Capricorn. belated. thank you.
0: When's your birthday? July
2: 8th. Mm. Send, send gifts to Robert. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: sociology is the study of humans interacting in and with society. So basically what I do is try to make sense of patterns and processes I see occurring in social behavior.
1: Yes, basically. Um, people often mix up sociology with psychology, which is the study of what is happening inside your brain. And also, um, I'm noticing more and more, with me in particular, I get mixed up with sexology, which is, like, the study of sex behavior, sex entertainment, sex industry, sex work, sex toys, sex That's sex. it's so broad. Sex, all, yeah, anything sex-related. Right. I am a sociologist, which is patterns and processes in wider society and trying to make sense out of that. And, you know, when I first started out doing what I do, which was in my like early to mid twenties, I was studying worker rights, um, you know, so labor, occupational structure, right. whatever. And then through this various stuff, I started to realize that this adult industry, which is situated here in this delightful city where we all are at. Um, needed some uh, labor and occupation and rights. Looking at, so I started doing that. And as I got, for how did you long,
0: find it? Like, how like how did you make that huh? jump? Were you were you just doing some online search and you are like, or you had a friend or like what? <laughs> <You're> like, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 Randall, I noticed you've been doing all these films, but you're still broke. No, <laughs> no, like how did like how do you make that jump?
1: You know, honestly, it was really like complicated and. Whatever, but I'll tell you the brief version. I, was, I went to UCLA as an undergrad. And when I finished that up, I was like, I don't know what to do with my life. So I'm going to go get a master's degree in sociology. <laughs> so I did that. And I actually went to Cal State Northridge, which is in the San Fernando Valley. Right. And when I was there, I was studying all this stuff about sex and body and feminism and gender and blah, blah, blah. And I was learning that. Sex work was this touchy subject. They didn't say sex work back then though, but you know, prostitution and dancing and whatever. Right. Touchy subject. And that horn was the most touchy and wholly bad. Literally like, touchy. Yes, literally touchy. And <laughs> just <laughs> terrible for so many reasons. And um so I was like, Oh my god, this is terrible and then I learned that it was all like happening. It was all going down in the valley.
0: Yeah, like right where you right underneath your feet.
1: It's another joke
0: <laughs> <laughs> going down. In the, this is going to be OK.
1: <laughs> I know. I got to start doing me sound, sound effects here. So anyway, it was it was situated right where I was. and I was like, no way. How can there be all of this trafficking and danger and horror and right. illegal and kidnapping and corruption and blah, blah, blah. How can all of this be happening right here in the valley? The valley seems like a nice place. And it it shocked me. And then I started reading statistics and numbers, and I was like, how the hell can... Where are the LAPD? Like, what is happening?
0: (laughs) Well, isn't isn't LA, like, like number three on the list of, like, human trafficking cities in the world?
1: It might be. I don't know.
0: Um, Yeah, I I thought I heard that stat. I've
1: heard that the most is, like, somewhere up north in the Midwest. But I don't know, because... I don't study human trafficking. Sure, 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 No, that,
0: but, uh, it's but, tangential to yes, what Yes,
1: tangential. But the thing though is that I was like, how can this be happening And and here? And then I started kind of poking around a little bit and I was like, wait a minute. This is Southern California. There are no basements. There's no sex torture basements. There is no like trafficking. I don't see it. I don't see how it happens. Right. I literally I was so like such a little nerd.
0: <laughs> no, because you you're like now you're investigating. I now. was I was
1: investigating. <laughs> I literally was like I was spying people in Starbucks. I'm like, how can that girl be out here? Like, I thought she was a slave. Like, what's happening? Oh, my God. I thought she was was a kidnap victim. And, you know, I'd see that. Or how could there be, like, there's that business. Like, I see the logo on the door. Or I see the truck parked in the back. How can, that's right there in the valley, in this commercial, industrial, whatever park. How can all that crime be happening right there? I started to realize after a lot of, nerdy traversing <laughs> of the valley <laughs> that that there was this big disconnect that I didn't know what was going on in the valley actually because right. I knew nobody was not connected to it in any way shape or form but I was suspicious that it was this all bad, horrible thing that I was reading about in school. So I started to kind of piece together this puzzle that seemed really interesting. I've always been a fan of the the underdog or the shadow or whatever. Like, always. I mean, it's always been my fight. And I really just started getting interested in it. Um, I kind of learned the structure of the industry Started presenting my ideas At this point in time I had moved on to Austin, Texas That's where I got my PhD from From UT And then I started getting All of these great reactions From um, other scholars And other members Of the academic community Namely like Oh my gosh Get away from me This is horrible <laughs> oh, 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 The
0: bad recognition
1: Yeah the bad recognition And I became known as um, <laughs> I don't even tell you The things I became known as But people were really Give interested. us one
0: Just Give us one thing well, there please. was
1: a rumor When I was in grad school There was a rumor going around um, that i was a stripper which was interesting because i've never been a dancer or a stripper or anything, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that occupation can you actually was,
0: dance though uh, like, not that kind of dance but really like, just like if we turned like on mary some mary
1: catherine gallagher type of way oh, <laughs> like, oh. okay yeah so you mean, yeah. Slide? <laughs> 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 so it's nothing we want to see but it was just <laughs> interesting because there's a and something i've actually written about in my work this this kind of step still i can't talk sex worker stigma that happens and it's interesting cuz people who work behind the scenes in porn get a lot of it they get this association so just by proxy they get this measure of discrimination and stigmatization and it was funny cuz i i noticed that even with myself i was like wait i just I'm exploring this like you're talking about LGBTQ health and you're talking about you know HIV AIDS transmission in Brazil and I'm talking about adult entertainment as a workplace with labor inequality Um, nobody's talking about you being Brazilian, no one's talking about you being married. Why am I now a yeah. stripper? Which was, <laughs> I mean, it's not even what I was studying, but it was interesting. So it was a it was a difficult kind of thing.
0: Well, why why is it so taboo, right? Like, because there is this like disparagingly different. Like, sex happens, right? Yeah, and th- sometimes it happens on camera, at right? Least, <laughs> at
1: least three times this conversation. And,
0: and, and oddly enough, I, like I read a statistic earlier that said something about like the the percentage of STD transmissions in the adult industry industry is far less than the public sector right like the that you know a true fact um, so you know why why is there such a like a huge like why when you why are you shunned why were you shunned to an extent in the professional community? You know, what was the, what was the difference? What, what were people afraid of?
1: I think it's, I honestly think it's twofold. First is that sex makes people uncomfortable.
0: Um, I beg to differ, young lady. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, mean, I, don't mean, I don't mean uncomfortable in a good way. I mean, sex really, like, the the idea of having the talk with your adolescent or your young person. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the fact that I can still talk about sex behavior in my sociology classes when I'm teaching at a university. And it's always everybody's favorite day. Like, oh, my gosh, nobody's ever <laughs> said sex in front of the class. <laughs> it's bizarre. But, I mean, I think it has to do with our historical roots as a country and a culture. For whatever reason, we are so weird about sex. And we're also weird about, like, well, this is the kind of sex I want to have, but this is the kind of sex I feel like I should be having. And you really see a lot of people who get very twisted up about yeah. sexuality. So, as a culture, I think I honestly think that we struggle with this as a as, a, as a people, as a U.S. population. Yeah. And... Then all of a sudden you see folks in porn, the performers, and we don't, for whatever reason, we're not critically equipped to go, okay, Fast and Furious part whatever is a movie. Vin Diesel's not really doing that. That's not really happening. Okay, I got that. Um, This Tom Cruise action movie, not real. This space movie, not real. Entertainment, gravity, Sandra Bullock is not a researcher, blah, blah, blah. We We can get that. But then when we watch porn, we absolutely cannot realize that, yes, there is actual sex happening, so the people have to be at least somewhat connected, but it's, light, it's lit it's staged it's processed it's edited it's soundtracked it's this it's that we don't have that critical separation so right. we watch it and we're like oh my gosh look at those liberated sex But
0: people. isn't that kind of but i think it, it, when people look at that uh, you know and uh, myself included sorry robert <laughs> no. <laughs> no but um, it's you know, you, I think most people look at it as more of a performance, right? I get it when you're looking at a, fi- a film. You
1: know, that's the, then that gets into the second point is the also the, the point about sex education. So we're we're strange about sex as a culture, and then we have this sex education piece that's both part of it and separate from that. Is that people are not educated about sex? Like you can watch an anal scene in whatever adult content, and generally the application of lube and the I don't have to say things delicately. So the prep, the, the anal prep. the, the Anal the, prep. Yes,
2: they, I'm to cut that yes. down. Has, <laughs> hashtag anal prep.
1: <laughs> you don't just uh, – an object is not just inserted through the anal sphincter like, woo, it doesn't work <laughs> that way. But we don't see the, the lube, the prep, the this that happens in porn. We just see the sex, you know. Right. And so – Without sex education, or with such terrible sex education, such a paltry, terrible, awful sex education, ed- education both for young people and for adults, a lot of people don't know that you don't just ram it in. Like that's not the way it works. Right. So people see that and they go, "Oh, okay." Is that how you do it? And so people start to kind of conflate these things. I mean, you know that a car can't fly across however many bridge decks and land and be okay. Right. We know that, but we don't necessarily know that that some sex things don't work the way they are shown in porn. Obviously, all that prep had to happen before, but they're sort of lost on the cutting room floor.
0: Does it? Does it make? parents' job's harder. Like, I I have an eight-year-old. She's about to be nine. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, And I go, you know, when this day comes, because there's so much... Access available mm-hmm. to and, uh, you know not at that age. I don't you know obviously they're not curious. No, but have
1: an internet though and like
0: yeah exactly one <laughs> b- oops you know click right. on something you know you, then you're down the what what out of what I call as a parent you know the dark side. Yeah. right? And the do right. I get out in front of that or do I or do I like wait you know? But I look at the idea of what kids are exposed to and kind of what you're saying like uh-huh. how there there's this social education by peers um, and entertainment. So does that make the parents' jobs harder now?
1: You know, I would say yes and no. Forever, people have always been interested in sex, and kids grow up and turn into adolescents, and that hormone rage, curious blah thing happens, no matter what it has since the dawn of time. Um, Things are way more accessible now if you have a computer. If you don't have a computer or that computer has some sort of protective block, whatever, on it, then you're fine. And the thing about that's absolutely fascinating is that if you look at just about any adult website nowadays, if you go all the way down to the bottom when they do the 2257 and everybody Mm -hmm. here is of age and blah, 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 you will also notice a little tag, a little square logo, and it says RTA Blah. And that means restricted to adults. The adult industry through the ASACP organization, which is the child protection, no access report Mm -hmm. instances of recorded sexual abuse of children, because that stuff does happen, but it generally comes like, it does not come from the professional industry. But the industry organized and created this little software tag that every legit porn company basically has on their site, which means you as a parent or a computer owner or a person who has a young person around or just an asshole who doesn't want people looking at (laughs) porn on your computer, you go into the settings and you say, block everything that has this tag. And guess what happens? If you type in porno, porno, whatever.com and it has the RTA tag, you get a nice blank screen that says, you're not allowed to look at this. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And it's there. So the tools are
0: there. The tools are there
1: and the tools have been there for years now, almost 10 years. They exist and you see them. And but, but, yet,
0: kids are, but kids are way smarter than their parents, right? Like, well, but, right. And that, and now that's we're what, that's
1: now the, we're getting into something. Like, there's there's a point where it's like, yes, kids are way yeah. smarter.
0: <laughs> I mean, at least technologically speaking, yes, right? for
1: sure. Or more savvy. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. But there is. But, I mean, you you get to a certain point where your job as a parent, in my opinion, I'm in, I'm not a parent. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt what I'm about to say. But well, your job as a parent has to start. Like, like the website has, has done its job <laughs> like there's there's a place where right. you have to start figuring it out it's like, like
0: the parental advisory sticker on an album like you can't
1: you, I mean you can still I remember going and buying those when I was under 17 or whatever when I was a kid I was buying tapes at the warehouse <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> the warehouse and I can remember going in any number I, mean, I remember buying the warrant cherry pie uh, tape that's she's
0: a, my cherry pie
1: exactly <laughs> Anthony plays bass by
0: the way just so you know Oh. But we, nice. we can A little session going after, yeah. You ready? Okay, cool. Who's
1: gonna crawl around in the car?
0: (laughs) Robert. (laughs) Robert. I got you. You got the frohawk thing on it, it would look good with the contour of a vehicle.
1: Hmm. But I mean, I remember going and getting that. Like, I could get it in spite of the label, in spite of the fact that I had to actually walk into a store and pick it up. I wanted it that bad. I needed that Janie Lane so bad that I went and got it. And my parents didn't stop me. And I sat there and listened to it in my room and was like, yeah! And, and that's not, that's not Warren's fault. Like, exactly. No, it you're absolutely to right. A point where it's, I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, you have a series of books called You Study What? Yes. Um, and how, there's three, right? Or four? The third
1: one's coming. Yes. There's two. There's two currently available and I am in the process of copy editing and uh, third. <laughs> but yes, it's so not glamorous. <laughs> tell,
0: well, tell us about the series. Like, you know, I, I glanced a little bit out at it, but you know, tell us what we will find. in and you study what
1: stories and adventures of me acting like a jackass. No, <laughs> <really>. <laughs> you know, it's have it's,
0: another drink. No, yes. I'm just kidding. Some <laughs> more water.
1: Um, you know, I I've been doing this for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the better part of my academic career. Um. And I have not always known everything I know currently. Um, And five years from now, I will know things that I don't know now, right? So it's a process. I mean, I didn't just jump in like full bore, everything's okay. So, you know, couple that learning process with, you know, when I publish academically, it's very dry. Um it's very smart sounding. Sometimes I read some of my older papers or papers I haven't looked at in a couple of years and I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> like I have to re-remember. I'm like, wow, that's a sentence right there. Dang. So I She'll mean listen
0: like, some of the earlier Innovation Crush episodes.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean there's a lot of a lot of my work is I mean, I write for law journals quite frequently and if you've ever really? read like a yeah, and some kind of law review, like something like that, um it's in depth. They have a team of people who copy edit it and do the references for you just because they are that extensive, because they're binding, you know, binding right. arguments and articles. So that's not something your average person, even myself, wants to pick up and be like, oh, this is an amusing story about whatever happens. So the fact that I've had this learning process and the fact that so much of my work is kind of embedded and situated in academia and scholarship, I started writing the You Study What's as a, you know, a tool to kind of talk about all this other stuff. I mean, there's so many stupid stories in there. The first time I went to a porn store in central Texas (laughs) because I was doing my background research. Um, And that's when you could still go to a store and really buy DVDs, which you obviously can now. But just stupid stories about me driving up and down the 35 freeway and trying to figure out how I had the courage to go in there and actually buy a porn DVD. (laughs) So silly. Or, I mean, one of the first um, adult entertainment expos I went to when I was still doing my ethnographic research so kind of spying and looking around and I was working with this company they had let me come into their place of business and basically be a fly on the wall but they also expected me to participate so I had to carry boxes and stack things and drive people around, and it was so not sexy. <laughs> um, but there was, when I was at the Adult Entertainment Expo, there was this display of real dolls, and real dolls are the same weight, the same size, the same feeling as a human, and people use them as companions or as, well, they use them as companions. Lars versus
0: the real girl. Yes, right? yes, exactly.
1: That's a real doll. And so they made, they had this display of real dolls up, and somebody was trying to take a picture of the real dolls, <laughs> and I saw him off in the distance, and I tried to stop the guy, but he leaned in on the real dolls, and there was about six of them, and they fell like...
0: Dominoes? Dominoes, like <laughs> oh. giant.
1: And ripped down the back of the booth that I was supposed to be watching. Oh, so yeah. now you oh. have, oh, nice. a, a, in the middle of a huge convention hall, just swarming with people like ants, you have this completely ripped down back, and, and people are having meetings in there. Everybody's like possessions and things are in there. There's all right. this stock and product in there, and I'm like standing there. You just tiptoed like slowly
0: backed out of
1: the Oh my God. Oh. Things like that and reflections on content and stuff because I mean you write about this stuff and not all of it's good some of it's crap and not all of it sits well with me like I don't find it all appealing or productive but trying to negotiate like what I'm doing as a sociologist with how I actually feel about a lot of stuff that's also in these you study what's.
0: Robert, you studied sociology, correct? I, I did, and marketing. Ooh, well, oh, fancy. <laughs> when you when you get your PhD, never. Don't. Uh, Don't do
1: it. That's that's another thing I do is uh, academic counseling and advising. Grad school is not. But I think I think.
0: But, but I think when you like, because at, at least from what I hear, right, you're sort of a trailblazer in this sort of area of study and and academia.
1: If I were to disagree with you, I would be being disingenuous. And if I agree with you, I sound like an asshole. No, so I'm just gonna <laughs> nod my head. You know, pull, be
0: Kanye today, and like if you, you know, if you're awesome.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: No, because because what I think is, I think
1: I'm a trailblazer. Chris. <laughs> I'm a trailblazer. There you go. There you, there you go. go. We Portland you. in the house. That was my that was my Kanye. <laughs>
0: uh, no disrespect to Chantel, but Robert had the best. I'm gonna let you finish, but. <laughs> Um, no, because I, th- I think when you say th- when you do that, like I think the PhD gives it validity, right? Like it kind of is the tip of the spear. Yes, you know, and,
1: and that's honestly, in spite of how long it took and how, like the hoops and the this and the that, and I, like, that's why I finished it. Especially as I, I kept going further and I realized that you know I started out talking about labor rights and occupations. There's so much more. There's law, there's technology, health and safety on set, the implications of content, online access, all of the the behind-the-scenes industry politics and stuff. I mean, I could be doing this for the rest of my life and still not get a touch of it, you know, like really get a handle on it. But, you know, as I started to realize that and realize like this really there was so much work to be done, then, you know, that's how I would kind of pump myself up. I'm like, come on, one more semester. (laughs) We
2: can do it. One more
1: paper, one more revision, one more meeting, you know. Um, but when I'm talking about grad school, I'm talking about you know I was um, last semester, for example, a student comes into my office and is like, "Can you write me a letter?" I'm like I don't even know your name. You've never <laughs> it before. But they, yeah, okay, for what? And they want a, a reference to get into grad school for social work. And you know, what do I say to that young person who wants to then sign up for two to three more years of out of pocket?
0: debt school and debt to
1: go get a social work job most social work jobs are funded by the state by the Mm -hmm. county and I'm like do you know never
0: get out of debt do you
1: know what the budget county state of California LA county do you have any idea how that's looking right now right no I'm like (laughs) and then in two to three years from now when you're done after you've paid even more expensive than right now as an undergrad have you thought about that (laughs) No.
0: Mom, Dr. Tibbles told me not to go to school. My
1: professor told me that I don't need to go to grad school. And it's, I mean, it's obviously everybody's choice, but I mean, just to get people to think a bit more critically. uh, And I think that's the
0: the other side of education, right? Is like the practicalities of life, you know, given a particular area or direction of of choice.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can go to the mall, the, the Northridge Mall right now, and to any store and find yourself a college graduate working there. And that's I mean, true. retail is mm-hmm. amazing and it's great and, and whatever and, all, you know, jobs and experiences and all that's awesome. But I'm willing to bet that the, the, the pitch that was sold, to those young people, when they started going to college and started doing that was not manager at charlotte roos like i'm just guessing right
0: right right and shout out to the manager <laughs>
1: yeah wherever you are i don't i that's that person was not one of my students unless like that'd be crazy serendipity <laughs>
0: uh what does research involve for you because you, you talk about all these vast you know pockets of the industry that you work in you know how much of it is in the field right you know and seeing like what happens on a set versus right. what happens in real life or how much of it is kind of like re like hard research and Googling statistics and things like that, or conducting your own, you know, studies,
1: et cetera, et cetera. You know, I don't know if I could really give you a breakdown, but I can tell you what I do. I go to sets. I go to shows. I go to business meetings. Um, I go to any kind of community kind of thing that I can to see what's going on. Um, I look through boards and see conversations like message boards and stuff like that. Cause there's so much stuff that happens. Like off the public record right. <laughs> like the, the industry politics um, I watch a lot of content um, it's interesting to kind of see the full breadth of what's out there when people are producers or performers they get kind of I mean like anything you get sort of stuck in your own work so if you're a musician you're really familiar with your music or things like it so if you're a producer you know your stuff or things that that are your competitors but porn is so vast and so varied and just the the content as a text right. regardless of how people then take that text and what they internalize or use from it like that's a whole another separate set of something yeah. so yeah
0: no, it's, it's interesting cuz you know i think when you and i talked earlier it, a lot of you know studies or anecdotally people have said that porn, sort of, lead, porn sort, of, sort of leads the way in market trends right so when you look at like all the niche Pieces of adult entertainment you can look at or find or subscribe to. The same thing happens in YouTube, right? Like, right. or you know, digital video, or just any sort of like more and more niches are popping up and, and blowing up. Like, right. Um, uh, so, I guess, can you kind of just speak to that? Like, because there's a, a constant need to leapfrog right. yourself and, and, and find those pockets of. Opportunity. Well, I think,
1: I think, um, especially with. Um, like youtube type of content and access. And as that stuff develops, you know, we'll call it 2005 to 2012-ish, that area in there. Um, I think that's actually porn dropped the ball really bad there. Um, before, they were always the, you know, technological technology, technology innovators, because they kind of had to stay a step ahead of the game. Right. Um, Because people won't credit card process them. They won't let them have their businesses in certain areas. People won't rent to them, blah, 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 blah. So there was a lot of workarounds and whatever. But something happened with the internet and the ball got dropped there. And that's kind of interesting to see people trying to recover from that now. Um, People are trying, but with piracy and tube sites and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of, of tension and a lot of um, people are really hurting.
0: So there's no revenue generated from the Pornhubs of the world? Or well, it's funny por- that you
1: ask about <laughs> Pornhub. Pornhub um, is owned by this company formerly known as Manwin, now currently known as MindGeek. I think they're attempting to rebrand themselves. And actually, Pornhub, the vast majority of content that's on Pornhub, is pirated, meaning that a third party somewhere goes and either rips a DVD or finds a file behind right. somebody's paywall, whatever, and uploads it for free. Pornhub in the meantime doesn't charge for that and people are like, woo, free, blah, blah, blah. But if you want to see it at higher quality, then you sign in. No, or thanks. there's <laughs> or there's all of the ad dollars that they get in this, that and the other. So people are flocking to tube sites for the free porn. Um, the people who produce the porn your favorite your favorite lady that you like to see <laughs> or your favorite director who just has that particular eye that does it so well for you um, they're not getting paid for any of that which then makes less work and less content that you like in the they, meantime sites like Pornhub are getting revenue streams getting revenue from these streams that they have separate so that's why you start to see all of these um, DMCA companies a good example what's of what's DMCA? it means Digital Millennium Copyright Act and mm-hmm. a DMCA notification um if something of yours has been copy or excuse me if something of yours has been pirated online and you're the copyright holder the onus of the responsibility to get that material taken down is on you. So say one of my books was pirated was pirated on this literary website arr. it will arr, it will stay up there and people will be able to read it for free and do whatever and take it and do whatever. Um until I or somebody who acts in my stead goes and issues a DMCA takedown notification. Mm. So, And then they are legally required to take it down. So what we started seeing happening was all of these tube sites popped up and they were populated with everybody's content and people in porn were like, what do we do with this? I mean, people in mainstream don't even know about how to work this kind of stuff. You know, people in porn, oh my God, we just used to make naked people videos and now we have to, (laughs) we have to do this. Yeah.
0: Now to have a briefcase.
1: Yeah. So now we start, we start to see all of these um, organizations that um, this is their job. This is what they do. A company hires them, contracts them and they go through the tube sites and take stuff down. And, you know, in some ways, I guess it pisses consumers off because you don't get to watch porn for free. But at the same time, if you if you don't pay for your porn, then there's not going to be any more porn left. Yeah. So, right. so, you know, there's that and that kind of thing. But the question you were asking about um, kind of content and wider culture sort of reflecting with one another, that's a really interesting relationship. You know, people talk about porn as if it's this bubble, you know, like it's Sort of doing its own thing separately, right. and then in the same breath, people will tell you that these evil pornographers are creating all of this depraved content to make us want to, like, I don't know, have sex with the couch over there. I just I couldn't <laughs> think of it an object. You saw our last podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. I did. I saw you guys. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because it's not really the way it works. So what you start, what you see is like. You know, Anchorman, for example, it's a mainstream movie and then you'll see a parody of it. Or, you know, there is somebody who's in the mainstream news and then somebody will make a sex tape offer or she'll actually approach an adult company and do something like that. Um, you start to see these these interesting tensions where stuff kind of pops up and, and where there's really a synergy between content development and Culture and what's happening in like the news.
2: Have any of the uh, like the major you know production companies or you know things like that have they ever approached a site like uh,
0: StubHub, uh, (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Pornhub, not (laughs) StubHub, tickets to live shows. (laughs) <laughs> <want to> <laughs> oh my but, god, that's an idea! Yeah,
0: there we go. We just uh, we always come up with ideas on this show. We Innovation, probably crush. made about a million dollars worth of businesses.
1: <laughs> but
2: um, no, have they uh, like tried to approach like a Pornhub and kind of get them to be on the same page with like the the copyright stuff and <laughs> the same way that like YouTube would give admin access to people and you know let them like like a Sony, and right. so you can like, like claim your content. And yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of. <laughs> This is probably... More than I should say. There's a lot of interesting... um,
0: Nobody's listening. Just say. There's there's a lot of
1: interesting (laughs) negotiations that have happened. And really and truly, in, in my view of it, a lot of them are kind of like entrapment. So you have a site... A tube site and and you know Pornhub. I hate even saying the word out loud.
0: <laughs> you porn? Huh? How about that one?
1: That's the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just just trying to, try to give you some options.
1: <laughs> no. So any one of these sites, um, they're all owned by the same company too. Any one of these sites, they then have they pull all this traffic, such that people are like, "Why would I go to, you know, Tosharene. directly when I can just go there and right. watch it for free?" So then all of a sudden there's a negotiation between the content producer and the tube site that says, hey, if you advertise on here, then we won't pirate your stuff. Or, mm. okay, so we won't pirate your stuff, but we're now going to rev share. So I'm not going to pirate it, but behind the paywall, I'll put your stuff and we are going to now share it. And people are like, uh, yeah, how, so
2: how? Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah,
1: it's extremely shifty. And um, there is so... Uh, part of the reason why... And this is just my opinion, so, you know, take it for what it's worth. I think part of the reason why MindGeek is, um, you know, rebranding, why Manwin changed its name to MindGeek and is now doing that is because their former owner got busted for tax evasion and all this other stuff. They're a Canadian company. And um, after all of this... um, how should we say, business model development that they had done. <laughs>
0: business innovation?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, no. And um, after all of this had happened, they actually started to get kind of a bad rap through Manwin. Um, so they changed their name. I, I honestly think it is a, a rebranding effort to right. distance themselves, but it's the same damn thing. I was going to say, if, you, if you, you can change
0: your name, stuff. but if you don't change what you're doing. But people uh, don't
1: know it. And then if you think about it, you're like, mind MindGeek. Well, that sounds like a cute little... That's like an app company. It makes (laughs) apps for my phone. MindGeek is awesome. And MindGeek does not. MindGeek owns several porn production companies that it bought, like Cut Off at the Knees, low price. Um, It owns all of those tube sites and various other ventures and things. And it's interesting um, because it was actually a Nightline episode that was on last night. Yesterday was the 10th, so on... um, April 10th mm-hmm. ABC Nightline they did a little seven minute blip about how um, piracy is affecting the industry and one thing that the reporter said um, as part of the segment was, we had a really difficult time getting people to come forth and speak about this because you know when you have somebody who owns a lion's share of the production, if you're like, "No, you can't pirate my stuff and, and manwin and Mind geek are doing this right. Um, well then, man, and mind geek will just stop hiring you because that's the vast majority of the work, and it's people are really stuck in you know, like rock and hard place. It's a yeah. very well, the, nasty situation. You know, I think,
0: but I think at the same time, you know, in other industries, right, that's where the opportunity for innovation happens, right? Where yes, 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 where there's a people start to become inventive about creating other revenue streams for themselves. You know, you look at most musicians, right? They like their money comes from touring now. Like yes. record sales are just 100%. marketing tactics.
1: Yeah, and you see people who have toy lines that they then, like, sell with their content. You see people who are doing different kinds of media stuff, radio shows, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people are actually getting, not a lot of people, but a handful of very um, powerful women performers, um, Jessica Drake, Lisa Every Ann.
0: time you say handful, I get immature.
1: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the gesture of me holding out my hand <laughs> <Exactly. is handled laughs> that people can't see, but I was doing. I
0: apologize. I also get very <laughs> immature when I'm at Starbucks, and, and they go sausage sandwich and I, I laugh and then I'm like I feel I feel very alone in those
1: moments. <laughs> I am in sixth grade <laughs> 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 um, you're probably not alone Chris um, there's a, a small handful there's no gesture there are some women performers who are moving into like sex education and stuff like that so you see hmm. people rebranding and branching out and doing different things and you know that's interesting but that's those are exceptions, those sure. are not the rules, so there's there is innovation for sure, right, but there's also you know the any number of companies that are gone because I guess they didn't keep up, you know keep right. up well, so, i mean there's <laughs> every I think every
0: industry has its one percent right like it's, yes. you know there's a bunch of people that have tried and failed and reached certain levels of success and or failure mm-hmm. and Bounce back, right? You look at Larry Flint. Right. <laughs> which, who, you know, is,
1: who is the biggest proponent of free speech out there. Yeah. And, you know, that that guy, we as a culture owe him a, a huge debt. Like, That's true. Part of the reason why we get to say fuck on the air is because of <laughs> Mr. Flint. And Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, sir.
0: <laughs> um, we, you and I were talking earlier about fans and fan interaction mm-hmm. and how appreciative the talent Um, is of certain interactions. Can you just uh, talk a little bit about that, you know, and and just how those fan relationships are different than sort of mainstream celebrity or brand interactions with their fans, right?
1: Well, I think that, you know, obviously anybody who's in the public eye probably really likes fans, you know, back in the old school days when people, I mean, people still do this, but when people used to go do signings at, you know, a sex toy store in Kansas somewhere, like (laughs) it was an opportunity to meet fans, but things have changed. You know, there's big convention shows that we didn't used to have across the United States and that's interesting to get a fan interaction, but really social media has Enabled people who probably never would see their favorite performer, and it's not just performers, their favorite director, their favorite producer, their favorite industry personality, probably never get to see or talk to that person in in real life. They now get to have an interaction with them. And, you know, I think that's really important to members of the adult community for two reasons. Um, The first is that people hate people who work in porn. I mean, banks close their accounts randomly. Like I said, people won't rent to them. Oh, yeah. Chase Bank. I'm talking to you. Uh, Citibank <laughs> as well. Over and over again. Wow. I, have, I have a stock really? file. Um, FYI, Chase Bank and Citibank. Every time it happens, I write it down and <laughs> I keep the archive. Well, what's, the, what's
0: the reasoning? Uh, we'll get back to where we're going. It what's their, the reasoning? Is allegedly,
1: it violates their terms of service because it's a sex-related um, business. There's actually, huh. I read something very interesting from a performer named Kieran Lee who just in the past week, he had his business account closed. Um he <laughs> doesn't wow. do anything illegal. Yeah. <laughs> Had his business account closed, but um when he went in there like pissed off, then the next thing he was told was, "But we'd really like to keep your personal account business, Mr. real yeah, name yeah. sir." Really? So, the discrimination <laughs> is outlandish. It's absolutely insane. Um so I think that when members of the industry get that Because, I mean, people can have, like, a pseudonym or an avatar, and they're not putting, like, Chantel Tibbles, this is my address, blah, 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 necessarily. They can be whatever they are, whatever their name is. But there's still a person behind that avatar that's actually supporting them. I mean, Lisa Ann has over 600,000 Twitter followers. Like, that's 600,000 people who actively choose on a public platform with an email address right. attached to it that then has an ISP somewhere actively choose to support her. That's where I get that's, and where that's I, insane. Yeah
0: and, and, and because it's such a taboo thing I right. would imagine like Robert you know he keeps he has a very private folder, a folder on this computer that I found
1: and <laughs> How'd you find it? You find it. You look hard <laughs> enough there buddy. <laughs> Damn it. But there's So there's that part, that, like, really human part about it. But I think also the reason why it's so important, the interaction and why people, I mean, people who do media marketing and social media marketing really should take a moment and learn from those, like, you know, key adult performers who really have their social media developed because it gives you bargaining power in your industry. Um, there's a the classic example is this performer named Christy Mack. Um Nobody had heard of her. Nobody knew. Nobody this. Nobody that. But boy, did that girl know how to do her social media to the point where she had hundreds of thousands of followers. And Christy Mack, who had very few scenes, um, very little like longevity in the industry leading up, got a flashlight, got a this, got a that, and has. I mean, those are big. Getting a flashlight is a big deal in the adult industry. Um, and she was able to really like. Bargain because she came with this flock of followers who were going to buy her stuff and right. support her endeavors and things like that. So it really gives performers um, it, control of their business and control of yeah. their brand where they didn't have before. So fan interaction is, I think it's important twofold. It's important because it's like humanizing, but it's also important because it shows, it allows a performer to show that they have a market value.
2: Do you know if, uh any of the social networking sites have deleted their accounts like <laughs> randomly the same way that the <laughs> banks have? And, like, um,
1: that Facebook. Facebook <laughs> is... Uh, talking to you, Facebook. Facebook likes to change <laughs> its terms of service. Facebook all also the like... great all tags the on this. T- on t-
0: the <laughs> <laughs> Facebook, Chase Bank. Chase <laughs> Bank. <Anyway.
1: laughs> um, Facebook likes to change its terms of service. And Facebook also seems... Um, if somebody complains about something then um then they'll just shut it down uh, a few years back there was this absolutely wonderful movie made by burning angel which is joanna angel's production company called doppelganger and i remember it because it was so clever it was joanna angel and she had this terribly cheesy blow up doll like from a sex toy company had manufactured like just the most ridiculous <laughs> terrible low rent low budget joanna angel blow up doll so they took that doll and they made this film, Doppelganger, about what happens when your sex toy doll it turns evil. Right. And so the doll <laughs> is evil. And like, it's <laughs> it is so well done. It is so hilarious. It's still, like, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And there was a picture on Facebook of Joanna Angel, like, her little smiley face and her little pink hair, looking adorable like she always is, with her blow-up doll. And her blow-up doll didn't have a top on. This is ta- this is like little kid uh, inner tube plastic, right? And Facebook flagged the image, froze her um, froze her account for a bit. Something like there was this whole big kerfuffle because of the nude,
0: right? Doll. Reference if you like doll,
1: <laughs> like really. But, it, but
0: it, I think it would be different if I put up that uh, picture versus her putting it up, right? Uh, and
1: that's discrimination, uh, right? That's, I mean, that's inequality right there. Like I could too probably put a picture of me standing there with the Joanna Angel blow up doll. Actually for me, probably people would complain. <laughs> I mean, I, used I actually to,
0: just wrote down a complaint. Yeah, now, right? right. No,
1: I used to actually have a Facebook page that was more centered on my blog work and sure. less about me as a writer. And you know, I spent a lot of time, I hate to say, but a lot of money developing this because Facebook was a platform and this was probably like 2010 or 11. Yeah. And all of a sudden one day gone no amount of calling talking this that just gone la-di-da so (laughs) and and i don't i'm obviously i'm not a porn performer there's no nakedness nothing's i'm just writing about the sex industry in a critical way so just the idea of engaging it for at least one person it was so mind-boggling that they had to complain which okay but yeah, so there's a lot of um, Instagram is another one. Vine just recently changed its terms of service, um, and you know it's applicable to all people. But if you think about who uses that app more, um, who who are the the top of viners out there yeah. before Vine changed its TOS, um, you know there was a calculated purpose behind that.
0: Mm. So I guess that, yeah, I guess that happens on a lot of the like the newer platform or any platform really. It's just kind of like. You know, you set out for it to be one thing, and then people abuse it. There was a, a guest we had on before, Robin Kaminsky, and um, she talks about, you know, she worked on the launch of The Sims. Mm-hmm. In the whole video, and she's like, "Guess what the number one activity people do when they're building their homes and towns and you know lives in, in The Sims?" Tell us. Sex,
1: of course. So,
0: so it's like you know, this all. What did you
1: think was going to happen?
0: This <laughs> is <laughs> mass perversion like... of our uh, of our entire country. Um, but the, so when we started off this conversation, you talked a lot about like the downside of the sex work industry, right? Where you t- you know whether it's kidnapping or trafficking. That's not t- sex
1: work industry, right? Right. That's well, totally. Well,
0: well, no, because there are organizations out there, like you know, one for instance I know of called Treasures. Right? They'll go to strip clubs and. Re, "Quote unquote rescue workers from this life." Right? Is can you kind of just speak to the you know the I'm going to call them naysayers for now, mm-hmm. but not, not that they're necessarily naysayers because I don't think every like in any other industry like there's there's going to be the people who are super positive in the mm-hmm. industry and then the people that are like you know they probably shouldn't be for a myriad of reasons. Right? But um, can so you you, being just
1: like anti porn activism or something. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like what? Where, well, where's the balance?
1: You know. <laughs> It's an interesting an interesting kind of conundrum because everybody's entitled to their opinion. I mean, in no way shape or form do I think the adult industry is trying to make everybody like porn, and I know because I I know myself, I know what I think. I, I there's no way that you can convince people to like everything. So, that's cool. Like if people don't want to like adult content or they don't don't want it, then then that's great and fine and a perfectly valid perspective. Um what starts to happen, though, um, where it kind of crosses the line, in my opinion, is where you start to get value judging of individuals. Um, just because somebody's doing something that, that, you, that you don't like doesn't mean that they don't have to like it. Right. <laughs> and when it, when it gets into that realm... Or when it gets into people trying to kind of think or co-opt the perspective of somebody. Oh, you know, you poor young girl or you poor person or you poor lady. Like, you don't want this, blah, blah, blah. That's not for somebody to say. Right? You know, it's not. And and a lot of times you see an arc. Um, You know, people get into the industry and then they stop and they just kind of go away. That's fine. Sometimes people really change their minds and they are like, no, this was not what I wanted And I think this gets back to what we were talking about um, close to the beginning about our discomfort with sex. There's a few instances I can think of a number of examples where you have somebody who was in the industry who was seemingly doing well, whatever. And then all of a sudden or maybe not all of a sudden, just the announcement came suddenly where that person is like, no, I don't like porn anymore. Anti-porn, anti-porn. And that's fine. I mean, people. I'll sit here and tell you bad stories about academia (laughs) all day long. Sure. (laughs) Um, But that's not the same thing as something somebody victimizing you. Nor is it the same thing. uh, Nor is it comparable to a bad experience or trying to convince people that their experience currently is not for them or wrong. Yes. Um. So you know, it's interesting. I think. I can think of a couple examples in particular of anti-porn activists that, uh, you know, they're anti-porn activist academics, actually. Um, Your colleagues? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my colleagues, my colleagues that really give both academia and, and sociology in particular a really a bad name because, you know, they, they make these outlandish claims and they're like, I have a PhD. Outlandish <laughs> claim. And it really feeds <laughs> into, um, fear, uh, uh, loathing, discomfort, whatever it is, and people kind of eat this stuff up. Right. And it's so poorly done or so value judgy or whatever. And I personally think it's a tactic to keep some people in a job because if nobody was pissed off about it, then what would you do?
0: (laughs) But but, but realistically, though, and I I worked at Playboy Mm -hmm. years ago. What? Uh, Yeah, you didn't know that? Thanks for the invite.
2: (laughs) Hey, I didn't know you then,
0: man. Sorry. Um, But, you know, there is... And and I think you're right. There's the individual's journey, right? Mm -hmm. Through whether it's drugs or alcohol or whatever they feel is is a coping mechanism. And other people are 100% comfortable. And this is who they are. And then there's also... Not that I've experienced or seen it personally, but, you know, at least the um the th- the theory is that there are s- some individuals men and or women that are in the business so somewhat against their will right or and, and- is that true
1: <laughs> um no that is not true there is there are some people in the business who are jerks <laughs> like, there are some there are In my experience, they are so few and far between, but that doesn't mean I don't know everybody. There are some people who are assholes. There are some people who do jerk things. There are some people who are like, do this, else I won't book you again. Like, that happens.
2: Mm, mm -hmm. But
1: in my experience, and in 10 plus years I've been doing this, that is such a small fraction of the community there's also instances and I mean you gotta talk about this in terms of humanity. I mean, there are people who get into porn not because they want to, but because they they're busted. Like mm-hmm. they, they need especially back in the mid two thousands when you could get in, do a few scenes, get out and be whatever. It was that the woman who was the junior high school teacher in Oxnard, Stacy Hallis oh, yeah, yeah. was her name. Um And oftentimes when I hear somebody, you know, who's, I was in 200 scenes and I hated it the entire time. And I'm like, yeah, bullshit. But this woman, woman literally, I mean, her archive was so far buried and she literally was only in six or seven scenes. And her story was that she was broke. You know, she was trying to go to school. She was this, she was that. And she... Well, there's been like there's by. been a
0: lot of mainstream celebrities who have been in Adelphi. like well, uh, Sylvester mean, Stallone is one of like one that's rumored to have been. In, I uh, mean, if you look Italian Stallion, if
1: you look on IMDb, that's his first film credit. I'm just saying. Is it? Oh, still <laughs> is it still there? I think so. I don't know. Maybe it was a long time ago that I thought, but but so there there are people who are who are doing the work out of desperation. Like that does happen. But I mean, I. Waited tables and bartended at a shitty club on 6th Street in Austin and, you know, served shots to frat boys. Not because I found it fulfilling work, <laughs> right, right. but because I needed a damn well, job. Well, you make a great
0: point, too, is like you can find jerk bosses or jerk employers or jerk coworkers anywhere you go. Jerks
1: are everywhere.
0: Right. And that's why, that's why there are sexual harassment laws in, mm-hmm. you know, everyday or traditional workplaces. Right. Um, so on and so forth. So I'm going to read the statistic that I ran into earlier. Uh, right now, 30,000 people are watching porn. And to meet that vast demand, a new porn video is produced every 39 minutes. Um, why are we so hungry for this stuff?
2: Oh, Because we've
0: talked about how much is taboo.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. But then like we're obviously <laughs> viewing it. For, for <laughs> a lot <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> every I'm, 39 minutes god
1: damn it every 39 minutes and it's uh, that doesn't sound like an outlandish number no it I doesn't mean, I don't that's, know. A, like,
0: that's what's surprising like it's big but it's like when you when you give uh, w- given the the industry and the mm-hmm. content like okay uh, it makes sense but well, like where does the the, upset, the cultural obsession come from uh,
1: how, how to explain this succinctly I think and this is just my theory um Although there's a lot of discussion about porn for women um, happening right now and feminist porn and stuff like that, um, the vast majority of content leading up and content currently still produced is either for the male gaze, for the eyes of the man, be that be it gay porn or heterosexual porn, whatever. It's for dudes porn for dudes. Yeah, and, go dudes. <laughs> and even, I mean, there's a lot of people who speculate even this idea of porn for women. Is it really for women or is it for guys to be like, hey, don't you want to watch this? Hey. Right. Like, so, <laughs> you know, and and I could push back on that with many examples of, of really, like, beautiful, uplifting content that gets categorized as porn for women and as a lot of really amazing stuff that's just quote unquote porn.
0: I think porn for women is like Sex in the City.
1: Um, you know, porn for women is like Sex in the City is probably more titillating. Or, shopping. or oh, yes, shop, <laughs> or get your nails done, do my nails, and shop me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm distracted. Um, no, it was my. But I know, it was distracting though. But the idea that a, a lot of porn is intended for a man consumer, right? So you have that, and then when you think about, and this is like everybody gets all, sort of. Up in arms about nature versus n- nurture. But there are some nature arguments that um, may factor into this, namely, in the animal kingdom, male animals like to spread their,
2: spread their stuff See? wide,
1: right? <laughs> lots of variety, lots of this, lots of that. And I think there's some, some thread connecting that with this desire for new stimulus. That, that, like, people are like, I want a new chick. I need to see a new, I want to, like, I've already jerked off to her twice. Oh my gosh, that's one time too many. Where's the next one?
0: <laughs> come and on, come it's on. It's not,
1: and then if you think about the way we are now, I mean, like, scrolling through Twitter, clicking on things, god damn it, this page doesn't load fast enough. I won't read this. Right. Move on to the next thing, blah, blah, blah. So I think there's, like, a guy component, a porn, who it's marketed to, or maybe what it's trying to tap into, coupled with all of these shifts that we see in our culture, and the demand is. Nuts! Yeah, and people it, want more. And I mean, trust me when I tell you this, that people are not producing porn to be like, la-di-da, I made this art film. Like, I mean, <laughs> some people are, that's part of it, but it's a product. And if there's no demand for the product, one, the business is going to go under. And two, like, people aren't going to spend their right. time doing it. So, you know, we as a culture demand this. And I think there's a little, you know, I haven't really worked all that out, but I yeah. think that that's Probably, mistily associated.
0: Yeah, no, it's like our, our appetite for. It. And I think it's also it's one of those things that kind of grows exponentially because it was so taboo. Like I remember, you know, trying to sneak a VCR tape out of the you know out of the out of the machine <laughs> when I was in high school or whatever. Versus, you know. The, the mass availability of it now and I think as as we get exposed to more things right. they become more and more accepted. Right? Yeah. Um, I and, mean uh, remember
1: when you got your first phone and you're like, oh my God, this phone <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna have it for two and a half years and it was like this treasure and you to fulfill I'm like,
0: my entire contract.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, oh shit, I dropped my phone. It's time to get a new one.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Five S, five, This What's thing next? that was the wrong
0: number. <laughs> um, what do you do in your spare time?
1: I run, I do a lot of yoga. I got a new puppy recently. Who is What's the so puppy's name? So cute. Her name is Sugar. 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 Yes, she's so cute. That's a lot of
0: alliteration there. Sugar Chantel.
1: Yeah, but yeah, she's I not like sugar with a C H. She's sugar. with an S.
0: That'd be weird. Yeah, It'd be Chugar.
1: Chugar. Yes. Chugar. Yeah. She's really cute though. She's a rescue. Wow. Oh. And she's seven months old, and she is. I don't know if you can see these. Uh, little chew marks oh, I have for You had. are the chew toy. Yeah, she's still learning. Is it a
0: Rottweiler? <laughs> she's a
1: little bully mix. Cute little. Nice. She's a little soft adorable thing. But she's actually <laughs> quite huge. Um, she was just recently taken to the vet for a little puppy checkup. She weighs 44 pounds.
0: That mm. is a huge dog. That's
1: a big dog and she still looks like a goof because her paws still look huge. Right. Which means she's probably cutting it bigger. Are
0: you, are you, is that what why you're running so much? Just in case you <laughs> run from the dog. No,
1: so I can keep up with her. <laughs> She's me my little running sidekick. Yeah, no, I do a lot of that. Um, I don't know lots of things
0: that's great um, so take this conversation in breathe it all in
1: uh,
0: so you do You do a lot of yoga you're grounded centered chakras etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, the show's called Innovation Crush we talk about things that we crush on that are innovative um, what out there do you see that you love as a trend in, either in your industry or not in your industry it could just be you know I won't give you I won't fill in the blank for you But
1: oh man things that I love as a trend I love Twitter I know that's not like a new thing, but I, I love Twitter. I love the power that Twitter gives people. I think it's fantastic. Um, I love the like packaging, cross marketing and different product development that's happening in adult right now as people are trying to diversify. Um, it always made me kind of sad and it makes me sad to still make the point where I'm like, yeah, porn kind of dropped the ball in the mid-2000s yeah. with the technology thing. But I see it bouncing back and I see a lot of that as people getting creative, be it through Kickstarter or, well, ex- excuse me, not Kickstarter, OffBeater. Porn has its own Kickstarter called oh. OffBeater. <laughs> well, because Kickstarter won't allow people with... with Again. Site. No.
0: Again, more, no, <laughs> no more... OffBeater, so. I'm right, yes. this down. right, OffBeater thing, yeah. and
1: it's like, The beater part, there's no second E, so it just ends in an R. And it's like an amazing platform where people can go and and do their thing and, and, like pitch their project and all of that. So you see people really kind of, you know, getting the movie tie in with the toy with this, with the that and, and marketing themselves in yeah. different ways. Like
0: it's a it's a multi-platform movement. Like, you know, yeah. and it's funny, you don't, you don't necessarily think of, like I said, just the cross-pollinization, mm-hmm. if I can choose that word. <laughs> huh. um, but no, just <laughs> cross-pollinization across multiple industries. Yeah. And like you said, packaging uh, yeah. a particular star. Um, and
1: I love open access journals too.
0: What's like an open access, an access
1: journal? journal. Um, I think that they're they're gonna refine themselves uh, here directly, but an open access journal because, in addition to all this porn stuff, I do actually do like scholarship things and I and I write, you know, yeah. whatever. And um, generally, the in conventional academic journals, um, you have to have a very pricey uh, subscription. So you get it, like, at a university or whatever, so you see things that only other academics or university students have access to. Um, open access journals and most big presses, you know, be it Sage or Routledge or something like that, they have OA journals now where um, actually the person publishing, so, like, it would be me in this case if I submitted something to me, you, you right. pay a fee. <laughs> but then everybody has access right. to your stuff. There's a lot of... Um, bugs working out there was something actually really recently it was in science or scientific american where a snarky sassy like biologist wrote a totally fake paper like fake name fake data fake this fake that and just i mean just anybody with a basic 11th grade understanding of chemistry would be like this is not like no this doesn't happen Right. right and they submitted it to an open access journal and they accepted it. Oh wow. <laughs> Which is like, wow, so why would I like this? I think that I think that as um, they, they I think that the idea of open access journals really fits in with um, Not, like, free information, but this this idea that scholarship really needs to kind of reach out to the community and to, like, the general population. Academics are so insular, so up their own asses all the time, so locked in the university that there's not really any interaction with the quote-unquote real world. So I think this piece of open access journals is evidence of at least awareness of the need to branch out. And I think as time, you know, the next couple of years, people are really going to figure it out. And it really will, you know, the two-year lag to get an academic publication might stop. Right. The dated references and, you know, esoteric language might... Well, you know, I think, the,
0: I think the, uh, the interesting side for you, though, is also that you're, you're touching on an area that's widely consumed, right? Most your I'll call them colleagues again, you know are kind of like the back room studies, clinical, et cetera et cetera. but yours is you know uh, obviously like a broader social approach and like I said the sociality and how why we act the way we act about certain things. So kudos to you! For, Thank for that. you. Um, as an innovator, you know we I'm an innovator. Yeah, exactly. And that's I why. Do my that's what That's how you got booked <laughs> on the show. Um, that's the. That's the. That's the only criteria. Uh, <laughs> um, you don't have to answer this in too much detail, but how do you make your money? Like where? Like because I think when a lot of people are first, uh-huh. right? There's there's it's hard to figure out it, where the opportunities for to, to really generate. Right. you have a lot of. Value, You know, conversationally and socially and and so on and so forth. But where do you kind of like, all right, this is my service or this is what I do and you will pay me for this? Yes.
1: It is difficult, I will tell you. Um, I teach... Um, I'm currently not teaching because I have my plate is so full. Right. But you know, you te- that's the bread and butter of any academic is to teach. I teach my books. Um, I do a lot of consulting, which is actually quite fun and interesting. On a daily basis, I will get. I'm not even going to give you a number more than I care to uh, (laughs) deal with emails from people tell me about this tell me about that how do I do this how do I do that I'm a grad student and I want to study this I don't know blah 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 tell me about that blah 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 so I do a lot of you know, I call it virtual office hours where I talk to people. Right. You know, it's essentially like small micro-consulting. Oh, super valuable. Yeah, but then I also do bigger um, sort of social organizational analysis. I have kind of a private consulting business that I do mm. where um, – started out mostly in construction ironically enough where people would be like this there's money bleeding out the door right. what is what is happening i'm like well that's because your labor superintendent can't access his email on his phone in his office because you have this huge filing cabinet and it's blocking the signal so he's going out there he's staying outside smoking for however many hours and that's one bleed of money so i go into businesses that's yeah i go into businesses and i sit there for a little while and I check it out. And I see and I talk and, and I figure out, like, maybe if you turned the computer screen just six more inches, that person would stop playing Ooh. so much Candy Crush. <laughs> or, or whatever. It's just little things that people right. don't see. You know, and, and because you know, as I said, like, when I When I was in school and and when I really started in sociology and really when I found my love of it, I mean, I love watching people. I love looking at like sticky, interesting things and I love my work. But I I really am sort of an occupational and organizational structure sociologist at its core. And yeah, I do a lot of that. It's awesome. So <laughs> that <if you're>, is <laughs> no, it, it, funny. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I love it I love it. Just how like how, you know, we we try to make a lot of parallels on the show and like how certain principles and things apply to, you know, a more broader audience. So and I think just like even even looking at something as, as that's as disjointed infrastructurally as the adult industry mm-hmm. and like you've you've seen everything that that could possibly go wrong and you can apply that to you know, an office space like this and go, you can spot the, yep. the, 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 um, you would be so
1: amazed at just, you know, a week of time in a business in an industry that I'm not even familiar with. Like I said, I mean, I've fresh been, eyes. Yeah. And, and just what you can see and just little tiny tweaks that really help. People, yeah. so it's it's really interesting, and not like you know, because there used to be those like time management studies where someone would come in there and be like, oh, you know, you're <laughs> using ten staplers and you should be using six or, or whatever, and people kind of feared for their jobs. Right. That's not something I do, nor is it something that I would ever do. What I do is more figure out how, kind of like the fung, the feng shui yeah. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, a yeah. business as it works in a daily, like on a daily. daily There's
0: a quote I heard over the weekend, which was, um, "Sweat the small stuff, and the big stuff will happen."
1: That's interesting.
0: Uh, finish this phrase for me. Innovation to me is?
1: Power. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> no,
0: don't, apologize. don't apologize for power. Um, how so?
1: Well, I mean, if you can innovate and you can stay ahead of the curve, then you can, you can lead and you can stay successful and you can stay fresh, I would say. I mean, that's just my theory. And then you can work for yourself. <laughs>
0: that's true. And yeah. I try so. to stay fresh, too. Uh, Robert, do you have anything?
2: What is your favorite quote?
1: Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> Weren't expecting that, were you? I wasn't.
1: Um <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I want to give you a quote from Zach Wilde or a quote from uh, The Feminist Mystique. Um,
0: Both. <laughs> uh, whichever one comes to mind first.
1: The one that came to mind, uh, it's actually, this is going to make me really sad. Sen- but since I'm on my Kanye,
0: yes. I'm going to stay
1: on my Kanye. <laughs> My favorite quote, the quote that's on the cover of my dissertation, is actually something that's very deeply connected to me and my family. It's a quote from Zach Wilde. For those of you who are not familiar with Zach Wilde, he's a guitarist for uh, Ozzy Osbourne for the longest time.
0: Did you know Mm -hmm. that, Anthony?
1: (laughs) And (laughs) he (laughs) has this song that he wrote for his dad. And part of the chorus of the song says, thank God I am the chosen one.
2: That's good. You Sean. and Sh- Teasy. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: Are you, are you gonna have your own
0: shoe line pretty soon.
1: No, I'm not. And I feel funny. <laughs> I feel. I actually feel quite funny telling you guys that. But that's the first quote that came to my mind. No, that's, that's yeah, a that's great a good,
0: quote. Yeah. Um, speaking of the chosen one, thank you for. Be accepting our invitation thank to be you on the show. for the invitation. This is great. Great show. Um, how can people find you?
1: Well, people can find me on my website. It's ChantalTibbles.com and I'm sure there will be a spelling of my 17-letter name somewhere <laughs> near this. But yes, there's that. If you want your business consulted or if you have a question about school or you want to know more about the adult industry, um, I'm there. I'm always on Twitter too at Dr. Chantal.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys. This has been another episode of Innovation Crush. Yeah. innovation crush I threw you off on that one didn't you? you All alright see you guys bye if you like listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called wait for it
1: it's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Sleisinger. slicing. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out
0: there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here, and it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like, Teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car
2: insurance.